I mentioned last night, I don't know if I'll get it in the message today or not, but I, uh, part of, of today's message is, is incredible. It is absolutely one of those messages that needs to be heard throughout the church across the world. It is a time where our Lord has established everything that is going to take place in heaven and then bringing down the new heaven and the new earth upon this place, whatever it's going to look like. He's going to reestablish everything. He is preparing a place for us. And one of the things that, that he is going to ask of us is that we worship him. And I, I, I mentioned last night that, that, um, that I, I, don't, I don't know of a single bone in Anthony's body that desires to be praised. I don't. I, I have not seen that in him. I don't recognize it a part of him. I, I recognize in Anthony a, a man who desires for you and me to collectively worship the Lord through singing. And that's, that's his whole purpose in life. He's, he's still back there. I didn't realize. He's, I thought he split. But here, he, he's right there. And, and that man right there, that young man, has a heart, not for to... Um, to show you how wonderfully he sings and he does, and not how wonderfully he plays guitar and he does. And, and, and that goes with all of the, the, the people that he chooses to, to worship with us. And he chooses to honor the Lord. And um, we are honored. I mean, it is a privilege to have Anthony as a part of our church. And I love you, Anthony, more than uh, you'll ever know. Vivi, you too. His dear wife, Vivi, as well. Well, this is, this is for the moment... The last Sunday for a while. I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest with you. I kind of look forward to what God's doing, and, and it's, 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 it's amazing. So next week, Saturday, if you will, either at 5 or at 7, come to the Saturday evening service. In between the services, we're going to have a meal uh, in, in, the, uh, in the multipurpose room. Uh, I'm not sure what the food's going to be yet, but uh, it's not going to be a potluck, so it's not going to be great. Potlucks are always the best. But it's going to be food that we're going to have in between the services. And so if you're going to come to the 5 o'clock service, Saturday night, 5 o'clock, then afterwards you can, if you want to, go and have a free bite to eat. At least I think it's free. I, I'm sure it's free. Uh, a bite to eat on the church. And, and, and we, will, we would love to feed you. And we were going to make it a practice to do that for a while. And then if you come at the 7 o'clock service, if you can't come at 5, but you can come at 7, if you can come early, if you don't mind coming early, get a bite to eat. And, and, and have your tummy full so that you can come into the 7 o'clock service. So next week, Saturday, 5 o'clock. Next week, Saturday, 7 o'clock. And then we are going to pray, you and I, and we're going to pray like crazy that, that the Lord will find us a place that we can open up and, and have services on Sunday morning again. And we'll do that as soon as the Lord has for us. Uh, I know there's a lot of concern about what's taking place. All of this has been God's blessing upon us. I know I've heard, uh, last night I heard some questions and I was shocked, uh, like that, uh, that we, uh, we lost this place. We didn't lose this place at all. It was our choice to, to find a place that we can find someone that can come here to take over our lease. Otherwise, we were, we were, we were uh, tied to our lease for at least three and a half, four more years, which we wanted to get out of that so that we can purchase our own building. That's our purpose. We want to purchase our own building, just like I think anyone else would. Instead of paying rent all the time, we want to pay rent to ourselves, so to speak. We want to build up 
whatever it is that you and I give unto the Lord so that we can build a foundation to grow and grow and grow and grow. So that was a purposeful moment in this life's church to find, by the grace of God, by the way, finding someone to take over a church this size, pretty tough. Pretty doggone tough, but the Lord opened that door as well. And it blessed Calvary Church just as much as it's blessing us. Now, what our hiccup is, same one they had for about, I don't know how many months they mentioned to us, but they, they were in limbo. They had no place to meet. They were really wondering what they were going to do. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opened up this place for them. And so now we are in limbo. We don't know where we're going to meet uh, on Sundays yet. But they were gracious enough to let us meet on Saturday evenings, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Saturdays only, not Sunday. 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Come, please come. We will finish up the book of Revelation. I thought this would be the last Sunday. I thought this would finish it, but you know, with, with a clear, I could not do that unto the Lord. There was just too much material. And what, what we've come to is in the most amazing place. But before we do that, I would like to, to announce what this weekend is Memorial, Memorial Day weekend, where we honor, uh, you know, we, you, hopefully you agree with me, this is, this is the greatest place to ever live. This is... We are so blessed to be uh, living in the United States of America. I agree with that. Thanks, Charlie. It's a great, great country. And, and uh, um, we have men and women who have sacrificed their lives so that you and I can meet like this, so that you and I can have freedom, so that our children can go to school where they want to go to school, so that they can be raised as, as we want to raise them in freedom. And so um, we wouldn't need to remember the people who have given of themselves, who have served in the armed forces, and those who have given the, the ultimate price, and that is given of their lives for our freedom. It, it must make you and me re remember and remind ourselves of Jesus Christ, how he willfully went to the cross, willfully went to the cross, and died upon the cross for our sin so that we would have freedom from the sin and, and be able to go and, and, and participate in this place that we've been studying about called heaven. Last night when I was, when I was doing the service, the, the, this cross was normally always over there. And, and as I was singing before the service, I, I, I was thinking, I've always begged, I've always begged that we could have the cross in the middle of the room. We were trying to contrive some way to hang it from the ceiling, to do something. I wanted the cross to be central. And so last night I said, that did it. The drums weren't there. And I, I said, can somebody come? And so Jeff and a couple of guys came and we moved. They did. I didn't. Notice I said we. <laughs> they moved the cross from there to there. And uh, uh, hopefully that wherever we have church from now on, we will keep the cross uh, central, uh, but we'll do whatever is best for, for us all. But this great country in which we live, that Jesus Christ went to that cross and died for us, like the service people that we, um, we want to honor this morning. And so I would honor, be honored if you would stop for a moment, just collectively think if there's someone that you know, some loved one that you have or, or know that has given of their lives, um, given of their time to serve this great country. Father, I want to thank you for the men and women who have given of themselves so that we might have this freedom. And Father, um, 
It just seems that, as Scripture teaches, it doesn't seem it is, that there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, and they will escalate, as you tell us. And we're seeing that. And we see now a different type of war, um, a terrorist type of war. It's, uh, it's insidious, Father. It takes away in the lives of, of innocent children, men and women. And it is terrible. And so we have wonderful, wonderful men and women who, who choose by their own accord to serve this great country of ours and to, and to have given the most, the ultimate sacrifice, and that is their lives for us. Amazing. For those family members here who have loved ones, dear friends who have sacrificed their lives for us, we ask, Father, that you would comfort them and I'm not sure I even understand what that means. <clears throat> if it were my son, I don't know how I could be comforted. For those who are overseas right now, for in, in the armed forces serving this country of ours, uh, watch over them, please, Father. Bring them home safely, please, Father. Thank you so much, Father, for your kindness that we can come to you in prayer. Now bless us, Father, as we uh, worship you this morning through the, through the study of your word. I want to pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If someone were to say to me, John, this is the last message you could ever give to this church. You have to, uh, you know, whatever. You're going to die or you, whatever. What would I say? What would I tell you? I've told you often and over and over again how much I love you, but I'm sure that I would want to tell you again how much I love you. I'm sure that I would want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that I love you from the very depth of my soul. But what would I say? That is what is taking place in this place in the, in the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. Starting with verse 6 to the end of this chapter, Jesus Christ is uttering those words that are his final words to, to the church after he has shown us what is going to take place in the end times. He has shown us how devastating the tribulation period is going to be. And I believe with all of my heart that he has explained to us that we will not, those of us who trust and believe in him, we will not go through it. We will be raptured. We will be in heaven observing everything that has taken place. But what we have seen from, from chapter 4 to chapter 19, to actually chapter yeah 19 or 20, what we have seen has been devastation upon the earth as we know it. Plagues. Terrible, terrible destruction. The earth itself has been kind of uprooted, if you would, and now the Lord stops for a moment and he says, now to the church. To the church, he says, I want you to know that I am calling upon you to do certain things. 
As we come to the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, we find that all of history right now is completed. We've seen all that's going to take place. It is fixed. It isn't going to change. It is what it is. Satan, the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, along with every single person who simply refuses to believe in God's word. They have all been judged. They won't be judged. We have seen that they have been judged and they have been cast into hell. And then what we saw next was the new heaven and the new earth come down. This new holy city called New Jerusalem where all believers are dwelling with the Lord forever and ever. We've seen that the city is like a, like a diamond that, that just sparkles throughout the universe. And words cannot express and, and, and describe it, I don't think. Now all that is left to be said are God's final words to us. And he goes back and now he talks to those of us who are alive before this time begins What's our responsibility? And he lays it out in verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12. That's what we'll take a look at today. Verses 6 through 12. And what he's going to call. Let me tell you what he's going to say before I say it, and then I'll say it again. He's going to call us to do four things to be immediate. Uh oh, let me make sure I don't make a mistake. Let me look at my notes. He's going to call us to immediately become obedient to his words, those of us who now live on this earth. He's going to call for you and me to obediently, immediately worship him. He's going to call upon us to immediately proclaim his word to a lost and dying world. And he's going to call upon us to immediately serve him. Why immediately? Why do I use that word over and over again? It is because it's our Lord's constant statement. If you look at chapter 22 and from verse 6, actually verse 7, to verse 22, to verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20, he says these words, Behold, I am coming, what? Quickly. Now we have already learned that the word quickly there means suddenly, means without notice. Now he has given us signs that we can see, but there have been people, when I first came to Christ way back when, there were people saying, he's coming, I can tell by the signs, he's coming. And so he seems to bring that to, to surface to every generation, but but he has given us signs to say there, there is evidence that he's coming back, and perhaps soon, but for sure, suddenly, for sure, without notice. As, as Paul preached and wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, he says the coming of the Lord will be in a moment. He says he calls it in a twinkling of an eye. That fast. And so throughout Scripture... We have been confronted with the idea of eminence. Is that the way you say it? Yeah, eminence, immediately. That is, Jesus is coming again suddenly. He is coming again without notice. He is coming back quickly. And so Scripture gives you and me what I would like to call this certain uncertainty. Let me try to explain that if I may. 
the certainty is yes. Yes, indeed. Jesus Christ is coming again. That is for certain. You can count on it. The uncertainty is this. We don't know when. We're not sure of the time or the hour. Jesus Christ, when asked, when will be your return? When will these days be? He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, of that day and of that hour, no one knows. Not the Son, nor the angels, only the Father knows. So with that in mind, our Lord gives now to you and me His final words. As if, as if his coming was going to be this afternoon or this evening. If it were, how would you live the rest of this day? If he was coming back, almost every day I wake up. Now I wake up, I don't know how many times a night. Those of you who are older know I'm not teasing. No, I mean all night up. And, but when I finally get up in the morning, I try to say, Lord, thank you for today. Let me live it as if you were coming back this moment. That seems to put me on track, if you would, for the day. I think Neil would understand more than me the whole idea of living day by day, right? Just living for this day. This day is the day that the Lord has given you and me. This day is the day that we should honor Him. This is the day that the Lord has given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so the whole idea of immediate, the imminent coming of Jesus Christ, is truly at hand. And me, you and me, we need, to be under, we need to be aware of that. Now let's read, please, verses 6 through 12. And, and take it as, as if the Lord was writing to you very personally and he's given you his final thoughts. John writes in verse 6, And he, the angel, the angel said to John, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show it to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, he says in verse 7, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 8, And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the angel said to me in verse 9, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Rather, worship God. And then he said to me in verse 10, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every person according to what they have done. O oh, Father, 
what a statement you have made to us, the church, today as we live now. We have seen all that has taken place here in the book of Revelation. We have read it. We have seen it. And hopefully we have, we have taken heed to the things that you have told us so that we might be blessed in what we have read and, and studied. And so, Father, we see the, the sureness of your coming and how you are warning us it is soon. It is, it is going to come without notice. And what you ask us to do is to reach out, reach out to our fellow man, Father, to, to tell people of how you care for them and how you want them saved. True to you, Father, you call upon mankind to be saved and you warn unbelievers to listen and he will use us, those of us who know and love you, you will use us to warn them all. And in so doing, Father, you ask us to be obedient. You ask us to worship you. You ask us to proclaim these words of salvation and to serve you through the church. Now, Father, please move me aside. I, I beg of you. I beg of you, Father. Let me not get in the way of what you say to each person here. And open up our eyes, dear Father, so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Teach us, dear God, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, let's note something really fun. There's a real similarity between chapter 1 and this, the last chapter, chapter 22. The parallels are, in chapter 1, it says these are, are the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is verse 1 of chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show to his bondservants, that's to us. This message, this, this book was written for us believers to see what's going to shortly, it says, soon take place. And he says in verse 3, Blessed are the people who read it, those are the people who hear it, and, the, and, and those who heed the things that are written in it. Because, he says, the time is near, the eminence of his coming. And in chapter 22, verses 6 and 7, John states similar statements. He says, he says these, the angels sent these, in verse 6, to his bond servants, to us. The things which must soon take place. Behold, he says in verse 7, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who heeds the words of prophecy of this book. Now in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 1, and in chapter 22, verse 6, John wrote about the things which must shortly take place. He reiterates what he said in chapter 1. We see the eminence of our Lord's words. These things are going to happen quickly. They're going to happen without notice, suddenly. So we must be aware. We must be fully aware of these things to, to go on to tell people that, that there is terrible things coming. Come to Christ. Come, please, to Christ. Both in chapter 1 and verse 1 and chapter 22 and verse 6, God says, I'm going to show these truths to my bondservants. That's, that's us believers. Also in chapter 1 and verse 3, along with chapter 22 and verse 7, we are told these words are the words of prophecy. In other words, they come from our Lord. You also note in, in verse, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the ones who read, who hear, and heed. 
the things which are written in it because the time is near. But in chapter 22, verse 7, he reduces the words of, of reading and hearing. He says clearly in verse 7, I'm coming quickly, so blessed is the one who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. You'll know that John does not write in chapter 22 about those who read or hear because the assumption is if you and I are now studying the 22nd chapter of this great book, we have already read, we have already heard these things. Now he simply writes again in chapter 22, remember, take heed. Take heed for the time is near. Take heed and you shall be blessed. Take heed because I am coming quickly. And so this whole study right now is our Lord preparing you and me of his imminent coming. Soon he is going to come. So he wants us to be aware of these things so that we tell others about who he is. By the way, quickly for God is not quickly for us. We are told in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 that for with God a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So in God's, God's eyes, he's only been gone a couple of days, really. He has been gone 2,000 years like you and I see it. Now let's see what the angel says to John and to us. In verse 6, he says, first and foremost, the words that you are hearing are faithful and they are true. And they are to be shown, it says in verse 6, to our Lord's bondservants. That's you and me. And so again, we see the eminence of this message. We also see it is given to believers right now. But first, let's take a look at these two words, faithful and true. The message that John wrote, every single word of this great book, every single word of this great book that you and I have the privilege of holding it in our laps is faithful and they are true. Faithful means it will come to pass. True means they are genuine. It means they are totally reliable. You can trust the Bibles that you hold in your lap to be the very faithful and true Word of God. Now the Lord God says He sent His angel to give this message to John. The angel is the carrier of the message, but the source of the message is none other than the Lord our God, the God of the Spirit of the prophets. In other words, the same God who gave us the book of Revelation is the same God who gave us the book of Genesis and every book in between. And he is faithful and he is true. You see, in reality, although many people wrote the scriptures, it was only God who really inspired it. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says all Scripture, every single word in this book has been inspired by God for profit, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So John writes, these words are faithful and true. All that is written has been written to his bondservants. It's been written to you and me. So that we know what, what does God expect of us in our lives? How are we to live? And how are we to live now? Because the Lord says over and over again, verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20, Behold, I'm coming quickly. These things must shortly take place. And so we are to be obedient 
We are be, to be obedient to these words because they carry with them a blessing to the reader who heeds them. The word heed means to keep or to hold fast or to guard and to protect. In other words, you and I are to take very seriously what we have been reading and studying in these chapters in this book in which we study week in and week out. That's why I love you people more than you'll ever know. Because you demand that we study through the Bible. You don't demand that we talk about other peripheral things, but that we study the very Word of God. And so we take very seriously what is written in here. We are, we are to take heed of these things. We are to guard and to protect these words we're not to allow false doctrine to filtrate itself into the church, as so many churches have, by, by, by asking the congregation not to bring their Bibles so as not to offend visitors. No, no, you and I were to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. We were to be like those Bereans who examined the Scriptures daily to see the things that they are being taught are true or not. Listen, I make no apology to you or anybody else when we try to teach the Bible word upon word, line upon line. I make no apology that we try to come against any false teaching. Anyone that tries to infiltrate the church of our Lord. No, I make no apology that you and I guard and protect the word of God. We are to be obedient to these words because Jesus says, verse 7, I'm coming quickly. Concerning our obedience, three times in, in the book of John, the, the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the 14th chapter, in the 15th verse, our Lord says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in verse 21 of that same chapter, John chapter 14, he says, anyone who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. You see the importance of what are written within these pages. And then to counter those thoughts, he says in the next verse, in John chapter 14, verse 24, The one who does not love me is the one who does not keep my words. That's why you and I need to know what we are, what we are studying. That's why we need to get together and not not fall prey to this whole system that says, don't bring your Bibles to church. Uh, just relax. We'll give you a message on, I don't know, whatever they would give a message on today. Who knows? And so in verse 7, the first point that we see is that our Lord says, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is the one who heeds or is obedient, or follows the words of the prophecy of this book. And so the first point in verse 7, that we see that our Lord is saying to us, we are to become immediately obedient to His words. The reason immediate, immediate is because His coming is imminent. It is, it's going to be suddenly. We can't put it off for tomorrow. We can't say, look, it, I, I really understand what the pastor is saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow after that. Next week, I think. I, I, I know I'm going somewhere this week that's going to be a lot of fun. And so I'll get my fun out of the way and I'll do it next week. No, the Lord's saying, you don't have next week. I've not promised you next week. 
I've just promised you right now. So immediately, you and I are to become obedient to the Word of God. Second thing we're to do in verses 8 and 9, we are to become people who immediately want to worship the Lord our God. Listen, look at the words in in verses 8 and 9. John says, I'm the one who heard these things. I'm the one that saw these things that I'm writing down to you. And when I heard these things, he says in verse 8, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. I was overwhelmed, he is saying, with this wonderful truth. And then in verse 9, the angel said to John, don't do that. Don't fall down and worship me. I'm a fellow servant of yours. I'm a fellow servant of the brethren of the prophets, and I'm a fellow servant of everyone who heeds these words. Rather, John, worship God. That's who you're to worship. After studying this great book, folks, I think it's imperative that you check yourself to see if you're not really wanting to love Jesus Christ as never before. To study this great book, you and I have seen Jesus Christ like never, ever before in any other study that we've ever done out of any other book. We see him as God of very God. We see him of King of Kings. We see him of Lord of Lords. We see him as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We see him as the one who was and who is and who is to come again. There's nothing like him. No one like him. And so that love of Jesus Christ ought to bring you and me to our knees to worship him and he alone. And this is where yesterday I talked of Anthony. In verses 8 and 9, we see that John fell at the feet of the angel. And the angel says, don't do that, John. John did that once, more, once, once before in chapter 19, verse 10. And I don't think any of us could blame him. I mean, he's got to be overwhelmed with what he is seeing And so it's it's probably making him want him to fall to his knees. And so he falls to his knees before the angel. And the angel says, no, John, don't do that. You just worship God. We're not to worship anything but God, but we are to worship him. And, And I'm longing for the day. I am longing for the day. When we open the doors of this church... And people will be standing outside waiting to come in so that they just can't wait to hear the worship music, can't wait to worship God. And we just pack this place before, before Anthony even picks up his guitar. And then when he does, we start to praise the Lord. And this place just resounds with the, the voices of us worshiping God together. That I long for. If you want to know I've, what I pray for for us as a church, that's one thing for sure. That we just don't drip in, but that we pour in to this church. We are to be immediately obedient to the Lord in verse 7, and we are to be immediately worshiping Him in verses um, 7 and 8, or 8 and 9, I should say, excuse me. When Peter asked in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, since all of these things, he said, are to be destroyed, talking about the earth, he says, since all of this is going to be destroyed, what, what sort of people should we be? Well, I'll tell you what sort of people we should be. And Peter does too. We should be a people just like verses 7, 8, and 9 tell us, a people who immediately are obedient to the Lord and immediately worship the Lord. But there's more. In verses 10 and 11, 
it find, we find that we are to be people who immediately proclaim the words of the prophecy of this book. And the reason why is because the time is near. Look at verses 10 and 11. The angel said to John, Don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Don't seal up, John, the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. In other words, open it up. You see, in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 8 and in Daniel chapter 12, when Daniel received the prophecy of the end times, Daniel was told, seal up the words that you have just received. Do not reveal what you have just been told, Daniel. That's not for you to tell. But John is told, now here in the 22nd chapter, don't seal up what you have received. Reveal it to everyone, because the time is near. You and I have been called to immediately proclaim the Word of God. Why? Because the time is near. You don't know if the person that you want to share Christ with will be alive tomorrow. Whether they die, or you die, or the Lord comes back. No, it is an eminent time. It is near. Jesus is coming quickly. Jesus is coming suddenly. Jesus is coming without notice. Now, 11 seems to be off the wall unless you compare it and understand what it is saying with verse 10. He is telling us, don't seal up the words, proclaim it, because he says in verse 11, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. The word still there really is better translated, become, does more. In other words, becomes more and more doing wrong, more and more filthy. Let the one who does wrong, it says in verse 11, still do wrong or do more wrong. Let the one who is filthy do more filthiness. You notice the world is not getting better. At least I hope you're noticing that. It's progressively getting worse. My dad, who died, I don't know how many years ago now, I'm sorry, I just, this is off the top of my head, but if he came back and saw the billboards that are up on the streets, if he saw what was on television, he would be, he would be aghast. And if he, if he saw me looking or watching those things, he'd, yeah, he would. He'd ask me, what in the world are you looking at? On the other hand, it says, let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. In other words, becomes more righteous, becomes more holy. Let me tell you a tremendous truth. It's a place in Scripture that we will be studying in soon in, in Romans. In the first chapter, our Lord says, everything that was known about him has been known to everyone. No one's without excuse, he tells us. Can't wait to teach this place in Romans chapter 1. And then he says in the 21st verse of Romans chapter 1, those who knew God, they, they didn't honor him. They, they professed to be wise, and they became fools, he said. And they exchanged, he says in verse 23, the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of whatever. And therefore, it says in verse 24, God gave them over to the lust of their own hearts. And it says, so they therefore then exchanged the glory of of God for other things. And it says in verse 24, God therefore gave them over 
to impurity. And then they exchanged the truth of God. And then in verse 26, it says, God gave them over to degrading passions. Their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And also the same way men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned their desire toward one another. Finally, God says in chapter 1, verse 32, these words, although they knew the ordinances of God, and they, they knew those people who practiced such things were worthy of death, they not only did them, but they gave hearty approval to those who practiced them. You see, the one who refuses to repent doesn't get better and better and better. No, they slide and become more and more, more and more wrong, more and more filthy. On the other hand, for those of us who practice righteousness and practice holiness, we become more and more righteous, more and more holy. You see, Bottom line is the Word of God is the only hope for an unsaved person. The only hope that someone has to turn from doing wrong and from filthiness is to, as it states, to become righteous and holy. And, and the only way to do that is that we need to immediately proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. Listen to the words of Paul. I love this place in Scripture. If you would like to, you might look at it. If not... Take a note and see it later. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. It speaks to our proclaiming the Word of God. He says we, talking about we who are going to share Jesus Christ. We are, he says in verse 15, a fragrance of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, we are a fragrance to both parties. Those who are being saved and those who who are perishing. It goes on to say in verse 16, to the one, in other words, the one who refuses to believe or to trust in God, we become an aroma from death to death. But to the others, those who believe God at His Word, are sharing Christ with them, we become an aroma for life to life. It's a great place. You and I are to be an aroma for our Lord. We're to be light in this world. We're to be salt. But we are also to be a fragrance of Christ to this world in which we live. So since Jesus Christ is coming quickly, verse 7 says we're to be immediately obedient. Since He is coming quickly, we are also to become immediate worshipers of Him. And since He is coming quickly, we are to immediately proclaim the truth of God for everyone to hear. And lastly, in verse 12, we are to immediately serve Him. He says in verse 12, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. I will render my reward to everyone according to what they have done. The reading of this great book ought to drive us to immediately desire to serve our Lord. I mentioned last night, I mentioned Jeff and I do again and I I know he hates it and I ask your forgiveness Jeff I I do love you more than than life itself 
But he served the Lord. I mean, there were so many people over these past week that carried boxes and unpacked and, 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 and just tore this place down to, to get the things that are ours out of it. And it was a, ma- it was a major job. Barbara, you and your son, that young man is one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes. I came in to hug him, and he didn't want to hug me. He said, I'm too sweaty. One of these days, we'll probably put all the names up and maybe the pictures of those who really served the Lord here. In chapters 2 and 3 of this great book, if you remember, our Lord talked about churches, used the example of seven churches. The issue was that the church was to be of ultimate importance to, the, to, the, to our time in which we now live. People, you and I are to serve the Lord our God where we worship. This is, this is to be our place of serving the Lord in our local body, our church. And, and if a person cannot feel that this is the place they want to serve the Lord, then they ought to find a church that they can go to where they can faithfully serve the Lord. You ought not to only just serve here, but you ought to give to the church that you attend, not elsewhere. You ought to give your time as well as your treasure for the cause of Jesus Christ at your local church where you worship. We ought to have people waiting and begging to serve here. We ought to have so many people serving that that you have to take a number. (laughs) You know, take a number. You can serve when you call your number. You know, there's so many people serving. In light of our Lord's... Oh, somebody like that. I bet it was someone in the children's ministry. I'll bet you anything that. Or those in prayer. Anyways, in light of our Lord's certain return, He proclaims these things. His last message to you and me are these four things. I want you to immediately, immediately become obedient because you don't know when I'm coming back. You don't have to wait till tomorrow, really. You only have this moment because my, my time of coming back is imminent. It's, it's going to be without notice. After you immediately become a person who wants to be obedient, then you want to be a people who worship me with your lives. Worship me all the time. Third, you are to immediately proclaim because you don't have tomorrow. Tomorrow's not yours to own. You only have now. This is it. This, this might be my last breath. Nope, I got another. Well, I'll just not stop counting them, but I'll trust that the Lord is going to take me home as soon as he wants me, and it might be this afternoon. And so wouldn't that be marvelous? Don't, don't cry. Because the last thing I did before I left here was proclaim the Word of God. And then fourth, serve. Find a place in this church that you can serve the Lord. And don't put it off until you have more time. Let me tell you something I've learned years and years ago in ministry. You never have more time. Um, You just never have more time. Now is the time. Father in heaven, thank you for your final words to us. May we find ourselves obedient, please, Father. 
to your call upon our lives, whether it be to obedience or worship or proclaiming or serving. May we do what you've called us to do. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.